Yeah, this is a day I'll remember for a long, long time. Uh, 21st PGA Tour win, uh, one more than someone else. Uh, that gave me a little bit of extra incentive today, and I'm um, happy to get it done. Well then, that was quite a week, wasn't it? What a seven days for golf. Incredible scenes, much to pick apart. That's why we did an emergency pod. That's why we're back again. What's this, 72? 72? 96 hours later? There is a lot to get through on this week's episode of the Bunkered Podcast in association with Callaway. And it is a normal Bunkered Podcast. Normal service has been resumed. You will be, I'm certain, delighted to hear. So hello, Michael McEwen here. Thank you, as ever, for tuning in to the show. Bryce Ritchie, Bunkered Editor, is sitting across from me. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Fine. It's a podcast, mate. We, I'm going to need more than that. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm. Uh, I'm glad we're not doing a full pod on <laughs> live. Okay, we'll we'll talk about something else. This week. Well, we will talk about live, but there's a bit more to discuss, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. It's it is crazy when you think back. I mean, here we were on Friday morning, staring at each other, wide-eyed, wondering what the hell was going on. Well, I don't st- think I'm much still, has changed. I'm still thinking. It's, I don't really know what's going on, but uh, yeah, there we go. Lots to get into. Lots indeed to get into. So you're right, Bryce, we do have to to go back over live a little bit. Please, 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 if you're fatigued with it, bear with us. It's not a solid hour where we're just talking about that. There is, there's a small matter of a major championship taking place this week, the US Open at the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts. This is news to me. For years, I've just been saying, yeah, Brookline. But apparently Brookline is the town or the area. Yeah, it's the country club, yeah. Could they not give it a, another name? Like, uh, you know the what? country club. Call, I, call it something else. I have to say, I didn't know that either. I discovered that during the preview in the magazine. I thought, oh. Crazy, isn't it? I actually realise that. The the absolute brass stones to call your club the, the country, country club. club. The country club. Yeah. yeah. So we'll get into the US Open. All the big storylines, all the big talking points in a little while. But first, look, right, fine. I get it. But let's just get this over and out of the way, because since we spoke Friday, since we did the emergency pod, which thank you very much for listening to, thank you for all of the great feedback, most of you sent the DMs to Bryce. Now, it's not a big deal, not not a huge deal, but it's okay. I'll I'll, I'll live with it. So, But no, thank you for all of the, the kind comments about, the, about that particular episode. A lot has changed since we recorded that. Not least the fact that we now know the identity of the person who will go into the record books, Bryce, as the first ever winner on the Live Golf Invitational Series. And that man is... Charles Schwarzel. Well done. He goes into their historical artefacts, (laughs) which is not on their website. It's not yet, no. 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 Let's let's start with the the golf before we get into the other stuff. Just your, your thoughts on the event as a whole. Now that it's finished, now that we've seen it through from start to finish, and Charles' victory in particular, what did you make of it as a golf tournament? You know what? I, I struggled to watch it on Saturday because I had my mum and dad round, and my dad refused to let me watch it on YouTube. The Why? last three holes, because he wanted to see the reaction to our country being stuffed again by who beat us on Saturday? On Saturday? The Republic, Republic of Ireland. Ireland. That's right. So he didn't want to... Uh, watch it and he didn't want to watch it because because I think he genuinely thought it was just an exhibition he didn't think it was a real event which uh, which is a bad look I mean that's your typical golf audience there he should be sitting you know enjoying that but Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't the case I thought it was it was what I expected it's a bit weird you and I disagreed on Friday about the 50 hole Four-hole format, Stableford, shotgun, no cap. Stableford? It's not, it's not Stableford. That. So, right, that'll be next. <laughs> the Tour Championship will be Stableford. <laughs> but I think I think you've slightly warmed to my way of thinking on Friday a wee bit more because you were a bit warmer to it yesterday. But I didn't. I couldn't get hugely excited by it. I didn't dislike it. I didn't hate it. It's golf. Some big names. I just thought it was a bit weird. I'll if come you were on to, to that. compare it to something else that's already there, and in terms of how you felt watching it, what what event would you compare it to? So it's clearly not a major. It's clearly not a Scottish Open. It's clearly not a Ryder Cup. G- give me some frame of reference. I can't because I've never really. I can't say I've seen anything like that. 
I'm talking like, about the emotions that stirred in you as opposed to the tournament itself. President's Cup. <laughs> and as regular <laughs> listeners will know, that is that is the cornerstone <laughs> of ambivalence in this studio. No, wow. I, I just I just didn't it's part of my whole thinking about the live tour live tour as a whole. Mm-hmm. Is that if, if they just move away from that format, I could be invested in it. If they turn that into their own tour, that's a proper golf tour like every other tour in the world. I think they've got something, but that's not what they want to do. And I'm a firm believer that that is not what people are hugely invested in when it comes to golf. Look at Sunday night. Sunday night was fantastic. The Canadian Open, yeah, it most certainly was, which we're going to come on to shortly. The viewing figures then, because I think that's the next logical place to go when you say that people aren't invested. Kind of peaked, I think, at around just over 100,000 viewers on YouTube on the Live Golf account when the players were coming down the stretch. So the final three holes. Bearing in mind that's a global audience. I don't think it's geo-separated. Is that good? Is that bad? Do we even know? Well, I, we discussed this on Friday. I, I think I think considering the numbers they got in comparison to other tours, I think it's pretty good. Actually, it's very good. So does that go against what you've just said, though, then, that there's no appetite for people to watch a 54-hole shotgun start? Not necessarily. I do think people, there is a bit, you make a good point about the curiosity. People was like, what is this? But I will be very interested to see what numbers they get when their, their tour is up and running. Bear in mind, that's a first event. Yep. They've not got all their star players. When they come out in America, and it's an American audience, American mm. timing makes it a lot easier to tune in. I would expect them to do better than that. And I also think they will advertise and market a lot heavier. Mm-hmm. in the US market so I'm expecting more numbers but uh, the longer term shelf life of this place is not going to be on YouTube I, I can't imagine it will be on YouTube because if they're going to bring in sponsors which we've talked about they don't need sponsors and we're not going to go over that ground again but if they do bring in sponsors sponsors will want to be seen on TV they'll want breaks how they get around that don't know obviously Bryson DeChambeau Patrick Reed, Pat Perez they've all signed up since we spoke on Friday we're told there's more to follow. Matthew Wolf potentially. Ricky Fowler, potentially. Bubba Watson, Bubba Watson potentially. Yeah. Again, big names. Are they the best players in the world right now? No. I'm still not seeing a top 10 golfer in the world Bang on. being linked to this. Never mind committing to it. But what's interesting for me is that it seems that they are del- deliberately going after the big personalities. Not yeah. the best players, the big personalities. The people who other people talk, talk about. about. Yeah. That in itself would seem to be quite a, a shrewd move in some ways, is it not? Yeah, or you could view it as the fact that they can't get the top 10 in the world. Yeah. You know, <laughs> everyone that appears to be a trophy hunting, major winning, knows their history and wants to leave their mark type player hasn't gone. The only one that did really is essentially Mickelson. Mm-hmm. Mickelson talked about his uh, golf's history, his links with it, his desires to win, his competitive nature, and he's gone. But he's at the wrong end of the scale. Yeah. So it doesn't really surprise anyone. For them to really turn the tide, I still th- uh, they're getting close to it. I mean, look at the names that they've pulled in. I'm, I'm stunned. You take that six months ago, I would not have believed that. Quite right. You have to hold your hands up and say, I've got that wrong. However... I think when they pull somebody like a Jordan Spieth, when they pull one of those guys in, then I think we're on the warpath. But I do think the PGA Tour, and this is in a matter of days, I think the PGA Tour might just be able to hold on for what they've got at the moment because this could come crumbling down. Yeah, exactly. As as you rightly said a few minutes ago, this is event one. Okay, We, we haven't got a full circuit that is competing side by side yet. We have one event. Okay, event two is a few weeks away. Let's not even judge it after that. Let's see where we are come the end of this eight event run. Because then we can take stock and go, okay, mm-hmm. we've got something to compare it against as opposed to lots of conflating factors such as curiosity and all that kind of thing. Jay Monaghan appeared on the Canadian Open broadcast in the final round on uh, on Sunday 
His first appearance, I think a lot of people were starting to wonder if the guy still existed, if he ever existed. Where is Jay? You know, he, he was conspicuous by his absence throughout it all last week whilst everything was kicking off. What did you make of his appearance in the booth with Jim Nance? Because um, I'll be honest, I've, I've got quite strong feelings on it. I, I thought he was really... You're looking for someone who's going to exude leadership yes. and that you can feel confident in because he looks confident. Ironically, like a Keith Pelly. Like a Keith Pelly. Yeah. I hate to say this, a bit like Greg Norman. Uh-huh. Because that's like, he, I thought he did quite well last week. He stayed in the background, but was there on the first tee and he just looked like a guy that, I'm the CEO of this. I don't need to shout and scream, I'm the CEO of this. Whereas the guy who did need to shout and scream, potentially, was Monaghan, and I thought he squirmed his way through that interview with Nance. I thought he looked defeated, and I know that sounds like a tabloid thing to say, but he gave off that air of someone that's losing the fight. He looked downtrodden, he looked as though he hadn't slept for a long time. <laughs> he just had the air of a guy that was struggling, and I think to go straight into 9-11, the Saudi link with that, was very typical of how he's going to how we thought he might play that fight he's going to have to play it's funny he said nothing absolutely nothing for months on this neither has Keith Pelly publicly they have not addressed it they don't want to and they don't want to because they are scared of it and the first thing he does is come out with the 9-11 stuff and it's funny he had no issue with his players playing in Saudi Arabia even as recently as February when they were giving release clauses. He had to for, sign that. Yeah. Harold Varner, one of their players, went and won the Saudi International. Uh, nothing but he said. had nothing to say then. No. Now, all of a sudden, and this, is, this pisses me off, he's weaponizing one of the worst atrocities, one of the worst terrorist attacks in Western civilization because his organization's losing a commercial corporate power play. Uh, that, to me, stinks. Uh, and the... the, the the hypocrisy of the whole thing stinks. Let's not go into it. We did last week. But the, the hypocrisy of people and their moral judgments on things like this, I find disappointing, Michael. Yeah. You mentioned there, Bryce, that you, you, you think he looks at a guy who's struggling. Is that in some ways perhaps so understandable? Because Absolutely. PGA Tour has been number one forever. It's never had to fight. You, you made a very good point last week of... Off camera, he said that the, the American audience, the Americans are not used to being second. Yep. They don't like it. So everything they have is the best. Like their, their netball. Their, uh, That's American basketball. Yeah, yeah, same thing. American football. It's all the best. It's all it's world world champions, all this stuff. And there goes the NBA collab. Yep, that's that done. <laughs> and their PG Tour is the best. Yep. And at the moment, it's just teetering on the edge of being the best mm -hmm. because... Usually when it comes to the best, it's the richest and it's not going to be and it isn't. So he's got a fight in his hands and I think it was noticeable that all the main players at the weekend spoke up. Rory, Justin Thomas, they all talked up the occasion that they were involved in, which they have never done before. Never done. Because there's maybe a little bit of Rory and Justin Thomas thinking, hmm, there's got to be in the back of Rory's mind, there's just got to be a what if. I don't care what anyone says. There has to be a what if. What if three or year, four years down the line, they're not paying four million for an event and they're paying six? Mm -hmm. What if they have a tour championship? If they get this off the ground and they have a tour championship, they decide to say, you know what? Our tour, tour championship, it'll be 72 whole stroke play. And the winner will get $20 million. You know, all, yep. all these things, there's got to be a what if in the back of Rory's mind. And it was noticeable to see them at the weekend and hear the way that the language that they used, they talked like Justin Thomas said it felt like a major and stuff and like, mm -hmm. bonkers. But Never said that about the Canadian Open no, before. No, but I get it. Yeah, it's back to the wall stuff. Yes. I mentioned Monaghan talking about 9-11. If anyone is entitled to talk about 9-11 in this context, it is the 9-11 families, it's the survivors groups. One of those has written to all of the, I think all of the players, certainly all of the American players taking part in Live, and expressed its disappointment. It did so again last night after Phil Mickelson's press conference at the US Open. It reiterated its stance. Again, similar 
thing, Jamal Kasoji's widow, she's entitled, I think, to speak up. Very entitled, in fact. She says that the, the players are wrong for doing what they're doing, for siding with Saudi Arabia. Is this the dose of realism, the reality check, the non-sporting context that's been there, but perhaps just needed to be said explicitly by the right people to give us all a bit of realism, I suppose? Yes, but how how deep that goes, we'll, we'll, we'll never know. We won't know the players' reaction. I think we saw Mickelson yesterday managing to sidestep it, albeit appallingly. Your thoughts on that? That was poor, wasn't it? Very poor. He, never, he didn't see anything. I thought the reaction to, is there a question there? In other words, stop telling me about these awful things that have happened that yeah. is making me uncomfortable. And this, is, this is what's going to, it's just going to get awkward. Mm-hmm. And I'm very keen to see what the the crowd reaction will be mm-hmm. this week when, when we have the US Open, because all these things are out in the open. And as we well know, social media can make them a hell of a lot worse. So I don't know what the reaction will be. I'm not surprised that the families of those Victims have come out and spoken out. I, I, I'm not surprised by that. I will be surprised if any player reacts to it, though. Yeah. Look, let's talk about the golf then, if you like, at the Canadian. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Sport was played. Who knew? Yes. <laughs> Rory, back-to-back wins, albeit different golf courses. Shot a 62 on Sunday on a golf course that, coincidentally or otherwise, was set up for low scores, i.e., entertainment. Lots of players, lots of big names going deep. Birdies, eagles, and it looked great. like that sort of thing. It looked great, you know. It certainly did. Just how impressive was Rory's win in, in a golf context, but also considering the wider context, considering Rory is the poster boy for the PGA Tour. hundred percent. There was make no mistake, there was a lot of pressure on his shoulders on Sunday. And when he started to wobble a bit in the back nine, he got I genuinely think he got a little bit lucky that the two guys he was playing with wobbled slightly mm-hmm. and made mistakes. I mean JT finishing 5-5 five, five helps you. Finau missing a very makeable putt, which would have put pressure on Rory. Big style come down the last, never mind Thomas. I think Rory did very well. I know he, he, he's he's obviously a bit miffed that people have uh, criticised his iron play and his wedge <laughs> play, but he has to understand it. it it's been poor. Yeah. Well, they're not saying anything that's factually incorrect. No, you, These aren't only, opinions, they're facts. They're numbers. You can <laughs> go and look at his numbers. They're not very good. But I tell you what, they were on Sunday. Yep. Some of the shots he hit were fantastic. And I know you're a Rory fan. And when he's in full flow, he's fantastic. But I've said this before, all players are fantastic when they're in full <laughs> flow. No one is better than the rest. We've had this discussion a million times. I don't know if there is a player that immediately stands out to be so much better than everyone else. I'm not convinced on that. But I do think Rory was absolutely magnificent at times on yeah. Sunday. I think the difference with Rory is that he lights up in a way that he makes the low score look spectacular. Yes. Other players can sometimes just pull yes. together a low score. Rory does it with panache and, and that, that, some fireworks. Yeah, there's a swagger to it yeah. that other players yeah. don't have. But that golf course suited him. It was, you know, soft. It suited a long guy. It, you know, he could fly wedges into the number that he was happy with, spin it back, and the contours yeah. and the greens were not crazy. And, I think it's going to be interesting to see what he's like on a tight course like Brookline or Mm -hmm. the country club. (laughs) And then I will be fascinated to see what Rory's like on the old course because it could be fast. It's not that type of pinpoint golf. You need to play something else. So everything pointed to a Rory win on Sunday. He just had to turn up and do his thing. And he did. The dig at Norman afterwards. If you missed it, what rock have you been living under? But Rory has now moved on to 21 career PGA Tour wins. Greg Norman managed 20. Rory now one clear and in the immediate aftermath of the the win, he spoke to Amanda Balionis on TV and said, yep, 21 wins, one more than somebody else. That gave me some added incentive, extra motivation, etc. We all laughed. <laughs> now that we've all slept on it, was he bang on? I mean, I know he's factually correct, but was, was it was it, it was it a spot on comment or was it a cheap shot? I don't believe him for a second that he thought at the, on Thursday morning when he teed off, he thought, you know what, I quite like this. I've got one more than Greg. Mm-hmm. No, it's clearly a nice bit of timing, and I think it shows the. 
I think it shows the ill feeling towards Norman and what he's doing. Which is surprising because Rory said just a couple of months ago he has some sympathy for him. Yeah. So do you or don't you? I think I would... You know what? I'd like to be a fly in the wall of the locker rooms on the PGA Tour just about the guys that are staying what they're saying because make no mistake, they will know what the guys are being paid and the caddies of the players on the PGA Tour will know what their counterparts are being paid on live. Some of those guys will be making triple the amount of money that the PGA Tour caddies are making. And I think all this chatter behind the scenes, it's going to come out. Mm-hmm. And that was a little flicker of it on Sunday about yeah. what's being said behind the scenes. So to knock Mickelson the question, i.e. sidestep it, cheap shot or fair enough? No, I quite liked it. I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. And I'm a Norman fan. I like Greg Norman. I thought, yeah. And that, you said this before, that that's why we like Rory. He's not scared to speak his mind. Guy's box office. You made a good point there about the the guys in the, the chat in the locker room and the PGA Tour. It's funny because now I think on it, it stands to get really divisive very, very quickly because those guys will just talk to one another. The live guys will talk to one another. And you know that thing where if you don't hear other perspectives, you just get entrenched in your own opinions. So stands to reason, Rory, Thomas, Spieth, etc. will just become even more entrenched in what they think about the PGA Tour versus live. Likewise, Bryson, Phil, Sergio. So the the depth of feeling, the split could yeah, widen. And the, the split will widen because they're not going to play together. Mm-hmm. This is my thing about about Liv. Is this a good career decision? Because let's go hypothetical. Let's do what Ian Poulter doesn't like. If DP <laughs> say no, if DP World say no, bear with me. If DP World say no and PG Tour stand their ground, the only place these guys have got to play is Liv Tour. I cannot see them suddenly playing on the Asian Tour. No. Because that involves playing in Asia, in Thailand, and all these places. And I, I just don't see Bryson well, DeChambeau. Well, GP World goes there. Yeah, they go there three or four times at the beginning of the year. I don't, And none of the none marquee of players go. Yeah. So those are challenge to events, basically. And I'm not seeing marquee events, marquee players going to play a circuit in Asian Tour. It's not happening. So the only golf they're getting is Live Tour, which isn't 72-hole stroke play. Do you think Bryson's going to win a major after that? How do you go from playing shot? It's a good question. Shotgun starts. You only play three rounds of golf, mm-hmm. and you have to play. <laughs> Usually, when you play poorly, you get two days and you go away for the weekend, and you mark you you go and sit in the range with your coach. Now you're forced to play another round if you're playing poorly. Yeah, your score can get worse. Yeah, and you're not having to grind. Yeah, know. yeah. Isn't that good? Look, so you're changing the your. Your outlook on your game, mm-hmm. your whole practice regime now changes. Your whole week, your setup on the week changes. You don't play seventy-two holes. You don't have a, a Sunday night or a Saturday night. You're sleeping on two behind and all this stuff. That's all. You're out in the second last group. That's all gone. So if you're Bryson, you're turning up at a tournament. You're going to have feelings that you haven't felt for a long, long time. How's how's he going to get ready for major tournaments? if he's not playing that type of golf regularly. That's a massive if. Does it harm him? Don't know. Does it help him? I don't think so. No. Maybe find out this week, or some of them anyway, at the US Open. And I'll be screwed if Bryson wins the US (laughs) Open. (laughs) (laughs) It's not going to happen, though. The next Love event taking place in Portland end of this month. Bryson, Reed, etc. will be involved in that one. And things are only going to get more interesting, Bryce, as the, the events continue to come thick and fast. Going to Trump Bedminster fairly soon you know who's going to be there. So, you think the noise has been crazy last week? I know, yes. Just you wait. Just you wait. I love it. (laughs) Anyway, there was other golf at the weekend. Look, I'm going to apologise straight away. We're not going to cover this in as much detail as probably a lot of people would expect or like. Got to realise, it is a big, big time for golf. There's a major championship taking place this week and there was all that stuff last week. I cannot possibly give you a three-hour pod. I'm sorry, I just can't. That being said, Lynn Grant, it is important, I think, that we salute Lynn for a, a, a genuinely groundbreaking history-making. I'm talking about Charles Schwartzel making history. Lynn did. Okay, actually, yes, that's a good yes, point. Yes, that's, that's real history. She won the Volvo Car Scandinavian Mixed, the first woman ever to win on the DP World Tour. 
22 years old, Swede, winning at home in Sweden. Sweden? Sweden. Sweden. Winning by nine shots from Ryder Cup captain Henrik Stenson and Glasgow's own Mark Warren. Nine shots. <laughs> so explain explain what the setup was because there's a few people complaining oh. off the tee. She wasn't playing off the same tees. And, and I'll get to that point. I, yeah. I would like to see that because okay. we never see that. But men and women are built differently. So the the, the point is, what's the point of seeing that? Well, yeah, exactly. There's, there's there obvious real... physiological and yes. physical differences. It's like, well, why would you? It, what, what bothers but you, me but is... But you, you made a good point about it, so... You can you can tell people that. Then. I can't remember it. <laughs> you made a good point about the, yeah. the, the, the difference in yardage off the tee. Yeah, so uh, there have been some complaints by people who said that it's hard to take Lynn Grant's win that seriously versus the men in the field when... She's playing a shorter golf course. She's obviously the women in the field, a mixed field, playing the same golf course for the same trophy, the same check. The women were playing off forward tees. So the course was, I think I'm right in saying, about 14% shorter overall for the women than it was for the men. Women hit the ball roughly, on average, about 15% shorter than men at that level. So there are some who are saying, well, look, that actually is pretty equitable. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have them playing off the back and then make it unfairly skewed against yes, the women? because we're making this as fair as it can be. Exactly. Now, it's never going to be exactly fair mm-hmm. because the further forward you play, then they're probably taking certain parts of the course out. They're maybe playing the course off certain slightly different angles, approach lines, all that stuff. It's not going to be identical. But it's the next best thing. It's as good as you can get. And I think once they've hit their tee shots, it's open season and it's yeah. fair game. And she won. She tanked them. That's yeah. it. She didn't just win. She battered them. Uh-huh. She's said to be a huge talent. And I, I hope that she pushes on. We constantly yeah. say this. Let, let's see what else she can do. Curtis Cup also took place at the weekend. Uh, I don't even really know where to go with this, unfortunately. It's, just, it's it's the same story again, isn't it? It's the same story again, and I've said this before. If you want, if they were meant to grow the game, it shouldn't be Britain. And it's no slight on the Brits that played, but it should be Europe involved. Mm-hmm. As we've just said, there's a lot of talent mm-hmm. in Europe that doesn't get the spotlight to play against the best Americans. And I think they should be. And the Curtis Cup has been a one-sided affair for, to be honest, nearly a generation. And I think the Walker Cup's the same. I think it should be a fairer fight. In the last three matches, the combined score is now 45-15 in favour of the Americans. It's it's too one-sided. I know people are going to say, oh, that's a knee-jerk reaction. It's not. It's not a knee-jerk reaction. It's a pattern reaction. of behaviour. Yes. It's a sequence now of results. The Ryder Cup changed when it had a sequence of results. Time for the Curtis Cup and Walker Cup, as you rightly say, to make the change to. Mm-hmm. Also, Liam Johnston, I want to mention this because we've covered Liam quite a few times in the magazine over the years. He had had a rough couple of years. Liam got his European Tour card. Sorry, DP World Cup. It was European Tour at the time. It was, Struggled to make his impression. You know, he went up there with Grant Forrest, Robert McIntyre, David Law had gone up just before him. Whilst those guys have established themselves, Liam did struggle by his own admission. He's now back on the Challenge Tour. But he won at the weekend. Very significant win for him personally. In a wider sense, though, as the the sands continue to shift under professional golfers' feet with all the change and flux in the the top level of the game just now, it's quite significant for Liam to do that because he needs to get back up and get himself in the conversation, doesn't he? It creates an opportunity. It's funny, Liam Johnson, my dad's always going on about Liam Johnson because he met him on a golf course in Spain (laughs) years ago. He was going to let my dad through or something and... Or my dad let him through and he hit a shot on a green and it was, you know, just, my dad was very impressed. He said, you know, do you, you don't need any license, do you? He said, what's your handicap? And he said, I'm, I'm plus five. <laughs> so, right, okay. He says, where, where are you from? He said, Dumfries. My dad said, oh, I'm from Dumfries. So he's always had that. They had a good chat and he said he was a lovely young man and he mm-hmm. turned pro and he's been following his career ever since, like we all have. But you've got to take these opportunities. You know, we, we've said it before, the Challenge Tour DP World events, some of them are not what they should be. So for you to go out and win says it all. You're the best of that. 
that bunch of, of, of players. So to then move on is creating opportunities for yourself and you've got to do that. And mm-hmm. he's done it. Yep. And he is a talented player. So <laughs> it would be the first thing my dad says, why doesn't he join Liv? You know, that that's the conversations that Your dad actually having. said Yes, that, yeah. that's wow. it. You know, that's the way things are going. So <laughs> you've got to take your opportunity when it's there. Plenty of guys playing the Challenge Tour for years and do nothing. Make no mistake, that is a hard tour yeah. to win on. Said it before, there could be 140, 130 guys who are just like you. And they all want to win as much as you do. So to come out on the top is a huge honour. Yeah, dead on. It's a tough tour to get off. It's an even tougher tour to get off twice. So good luck, Tim. Delighted to see Liam winning again because he's a good lad. As I mentioned at the top, Bryce, crazy week in golf. I think we covered this on Friday, but you and I certainly can't recall anything like this in our time covering the game, which well, you'd hear when I started. So as did I, to be clear. So I tell you what, I had good hair. It was it was fine, but the highlights experiment that was that was no oh, good yeah, remember that? that yeah i've forgotten <laughs> about that i got that done on cathcart road in glasgow and i remember i remember when i got the highlights done i looked in the window of the hairdressers as i left because i obviously you see it when you're in the mirror and yeah. the and then you left and i looked in the window and i thought i've made a mistake <laughs> <laughs> That was a mistake. <laughs> oh, no, we let you live it. and learn from mistakes, Michael. And I can only say now is that I would love to have highlights. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do. They're natural. Yeah, they're, they're very gray. bright. Yeah, and, yeah, but yeah. that's fine. That's fine. Where were we going with that? Yes, a seismic week. We've we've not experienced anything like that. So I'm going to ask you this question in a second. The same question that I posed on Twitter. I'm going to give you a chance to think about what yours is going to be, or do you know? Have you got an answer for me for this question? What's the question? The question is, sum up the last week of golf in three words. Oh, quite easily. I was wrong. (laughs) Fair play. Fair play. Takes a big man to admit his mistakes. So, yes, yes, okay. Yeah. I asked the same question on Twitter. Some really, really good, lots of replies, to be fair. Some really, really good ones. I can't get through them all. But uh, let's have a look. Stephen Retty, Rory wins twice. Not bad. Like Nick Harrison, live, let die. <laughs> Gordon Ross, change is inevitable. Halfway house, ooh, halfway house, up yours, Greg. <laughs> Alec Ross, good guys win. Charles Schwartz was a good guy. Not sure that's who Alec was referring to, but. Oh, right, I see, I see, I see. Matt Tyrer, class outshines currency. We should actually think of employing some of these people. Yeah. Write some headlines for us. Eat and sleep golf. Did that happen? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it, it did. did. Yes. It did. Official Grant golf content bonanza. <laughs> I will say my favourite of the lot. With apologies to Sir Alex, Alan Fisher, golf. Bloody hell! <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much for all of those. It has been quite a time for the game, and we are just getting started. It is US Open week. Our full preview of the action at the Country Club coming up right after this. When we think speed, we think about speed tuning every aspect of the new Rogue ST drivers. Really? I just think about hitting bombs. Yeah, past him. When we think total power, we think of our tungsten speed cartridge. A what speed cartridge? I don't know, but I like what it does. When we think max distance, we think... Oh, that's bomb! With our fastest, most stable driver ever, there's only one thing you'll think about. Nastier bombs. Think speed. Go rogue with Callaway, the kings of distance. Welcome back. Part two of this week's Bunkered Podcast in association with Callaway. You know what, Bryce? I've just realised I haven't even told you about my round at Muirfield yet. Oh, God. (laughs) Go. Played Muirfield last week. Sensational AIG Women's Open Media Day. It's absolutely, for me, that is just about a perfect golf course. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Say what you like about it and all the the peripheral stuff that is in the past now, incidentally, that should be left there. That is an utterly exceptional golf course. I can't think of a bad hole. Did you see anyone with a tweed jacket and red chinos? Aye. 
Yeah, but it's, it's still the honourable company of Edinburgh golfers. Superb. But interestingly, I played with uh, a woman there who's a member, and the 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 politest way I can put this is it took me a good three or four holes to realise that she was a member. I thought she was somebody else from within the media or uh, someone else who'd been invited because choose my words carefully. You, you try and you, you kind of have an idea in your head of what a, an honourable company member looks like. Certainly yeah, a male. And absolutely. I think that feeds the preconception of what a female member is going to look like. Just Lovely, down-to-earth, great fun, phenomenal golfer. And it was quite cool to even be in the clubhouse for the first time and see the way that they're trying to change. Some people are going to like it. Some people are going to hate it. Who cares? It's a private club. It's awesome. Mewfield's mind-blowing. It's like a little step back in time. And I'm I'm thankful that I love... Because we're getting to play it again. Can we say that? Yes. We're getting to play it again. We're going to play it. Thanks to... Thanks to yours truly for coming out there. Well, yeah, didn't win, yeah. but the people from Muirfield won so, the media day. It's like a lot Did a prize draw and my name yeah, came out. Yeah, so, won it. Yeah. So we're getting to play again. <laughs> awesome. With lunch, superb. Muirfield lunch, sensational. So I've not played it in good weather. I, I played it mm. in like 40 mile an hour winds, driving rain. It was miserable until the last sort of six, seven holes. But I remember thinking it was sensational. But I only really got to play half the golf course. So Why were you playing foursomes as well? No, it was just horrendous weather and it wasn't a lot of fun. So I'm keen to go and see it and play it again in good weather. Yep. Because it's mind blowing. It is. One nearest the pin as well, by the way. Oh, for goodness sake. Got a bottle of Royal and Ancient Golf Royal and Ancient Gin. Gin, darling. Not a gin drinker, but I'll tell you what it is, Bryce. So Father's Day present. It's Father's Day and Fantastic. Sunday. Fantastic. Dad doesn't listen to this. Nah, they never know. He's, yeah. he's too busy reading the USA Today website and doing their crossword to listen to this. So Really? Yeah. He's into all that stuff. Crazy old man. Weird. Anyway, let's move on. US Open Week. Major championship number three of 2022 for the men. <sighs> Where do we even start? I, I guess I've asked you this question for the Masters and for the PGA same drill here, Bryce. What are you expecting from this week? Carnage. Carnage. Don't quite know what they're going to set the golf course up like because we haven't seen the, as Lewis said last night, we haven't seen the obligatory ball drop <laughs> in, the, in the rough. I've seen a few people saying that they're expecting players to complain. Mm-hmm. In terms of the golf course, It's it, they're using a hole, I don't know which one it is, they're, they're playing a, a, a routing that yeah. they've not used before. Composite, that golf course is mega hybrid. It's had something like 10 architects work on it throughout its history. Too many cooks? We'll find out. Possibly. Not sure. But it's meant to be, it's one of the great American classics, even though it's got all sorts of setups. I'm expecting a fun test. I think it'll be a bit of a laugh. Define fun. I, w- I like to see carnage. I do not think the players should turn up and have a normal PGA Tour week. Mm. I think it should be different. I think it should be really tough. But the greens are meant to be extremely fast. I think, was it Max Homa last night? I was doing some stuff at the side of the green and wow. See, that, that worries me a little bit because I hate watching defensive putting. You know, yeah, the, the, I know. Green speeds can get too fast and then it's just a bit. But it's, then it's, it's a bit silly, but and they've got history for that. Yeah, it's from the fairway that that's going to test people. How good can you be with your irons to set yourself up so you don't have to do all that craziness on mm. on the putting green? But well, it shouldn't be like any other week, and they will have that marriage of the two. You know, at, at what the USGA want, what the PGA Tour normally delivers, and how they meet in the middle. Lots of big storylines, but. Since we're on the course, let's stay there. It's Mike Wan, the USGA CEO's. It's his first go at setting up the golf course. Yeah. Previously, Mike Davis, his name's it. Look, we, we know by now what Mike Davis did. But what are you expecting from Mike Wan? Maybe a bit of an unfair question. We've never seen him set up a golf no, course I, before. Yeah, I, but he is quite a, a fair operator, isn't he? So... Maybe a little bit softer. But we'll, we'll soon see how much influence the committee have and mm. their championship committee have in allowing him to do what he wants. And he's never done it before. So, interesting. I have absolutely no idea 
what he's going to do. What do you know about Brookline? Well, apart from the fact it's not called Brookline. <laughs> yeah. That's about it, to be quite honest. It's, I'm the same. It's got great history in, in the States, but it's not been used for a long time. Is that right? 88. Yeah. Who was that? Scott Simpson? Curtis Strange. Curtis Strange. It obviously hosted the Ryder Cup in, in 99. It's hard to even... Remember what the course I don't was like. Reme- I have to say, I don't. I don't really remember what the golf course was like in ninety nine. Do you ever remember a golf course in a Ryder Cup? Though, no. I think the idea is that you shouldn't. And if you do remember yeah. the course, something bad's happened. Yeah, potentially. It's not. It doesn't seem to me to be like a classic U.S. Open venue in the sense of like Oakman or Pebble Beach or Pinehurst. Mm-hmm. Seems like it's a little bit different. The other thing is Austin Sports Crowd. Now, hate to do this. Said it was part one. Live players are playing. You alluded to this earlier. Will there be a frosty reception, do you think, for those live players from that Boston crowd? That's it. You just don't know. You don't know if what Monaghan has said has triggered something. They are passionate. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't know whether that will ignite a spark that doesn't, doesn't sit well with the crowd in terms of when a live player steps onto the tee. You just have no idea. I will say this, regardless of what people think of him over here, Mickelson is hugely popular. Hugely popular in the States. He is a massive star. So I would be absolutely amazed if they turn on him. And that, to me, that's just not going to happen. And also, it's the US Open. They're desperate to see him win that. Yeah. Yep. What it will be interesting is some of the other guys, maybe Patrick Reed and Bryson, they are susceptible to the odd shout from mm-hmm. the crowd. Whether that becomes a thing, I don't know. I'm not expecting it just because that's the way of the US tend not to turn on their own. They'll turn on somebody else. They'll probably turn on Garcia more than they would Mickelson and Bryson and Reed. Mm-hmm. That's a good point, but there's also the American attitude of if you're not with us, you're against us. Yeah. And they don't like people turning from within even so well we'll soon see Mickelson has been stands accused as do Bryson as does Reed of turning against their own people yeah so I I think it'll be feisty and certainly once the beers start flowing open season potentially how much how much is a beer no idea that also hasn't been shown yet I'm starting to wonder if it is US Open week (laughs) no we get the wrong week (laughs) (laughs) you mentioned Phil the US Open, it's the one that has got away and got away and got away and got away over the years. Six times a runner-up in the championship. And that is all that stands between him and, once again, the career Grand Slam. For years we said, nah, it's, it's, it feels like his chance is gone. Then he won the US PGA last year. Now it feels like it's maybe back on again. Then all this stuff's happened. Is it? Where, where, where are we standing? He, he no. couldn't, could he? No, of course he couldn't. Miles away. If he makes the cut, I'll be amazed. He's just not played any golf. What did he take? Three, four months off? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely not possible. There's far too many good players in the game right now for Phil Mickelson to come up and win the US Open. Do you realise what it takes to win a US Open? The same as it took to win the US PGA uh, last year. No, it's different. Every single bit of your game has to be on point. Remember, he played the PGA last year. He was playing golf. I think he had played two Champions Tour events that season. Mm. I'm not sure, but he was playing golf. He has not played golf. He didn't shoot the lights out in London at the weekend. He has no form. He has no practice regime that's been in any concern, sort of consistency. To win that we US, know of. I mean, he could have been practicing in the background for all we know. Well, I like to think you would get practice from playing tournaments. You're talking he's about not had that. Players, yes, yeah. none of that. To win a US Open, you have to play the best, most boring golf of your career. It has to be monotonously brilliant. <laughs> and he, there's not a chance in hell he's going to turn up at the weekend. You make a very good point. What has Phil never been? Just a guy who can grind pars out. Yeah. Not gonna wild happen. off the tee, exceptional, so creative around greens. Seve didn't win a US Open for exactly the same reasons. Uh-huh. So I, th- I I agree with you. I think Phil's time has come and gone. What a story it would be if he did somehow, somehow win. But no, yeah, it's I, just I, not going to happen. That, that ship has sailed. No Tiger either this week. He's obviously decided to sit it out. He withdrew after three rounds of the PGA. You surprised by that? No. No, I'm not. 
I'm a little bit surprised because it's almost like it seems like it aggravated something at the PGA that he wasn't quite ready for the PGA. And I wonder if he's realised, wait a minute, this is not. Because he played a lot of golf mm-hmm. before the Masters. And he played quite a bit of golf, but he was getting reps in on the golf courses. Mm-hmm. So he was getting his prep done. But then when the tournament started, he suddenly seemed to wilt. Mm-hmm. And I wonder whether he's suddenly realised he's done too much too soon. I think it's the mental factor of knowing what the US Open demands. Because yeah. it's not a physical golf course in the same way as Southern Hills or certainly Augusta are. But it wears you down uh-huh. mentally. If you don't find fairways, it can that's, be very, very tough. That's it. And one Aye. thing Tiger can't afford is to be expelling any of his mental reserves on anything beyond how he's feeling. I think it says a lot about the power of the Open Championship. Oh, that God. He was, he, was, he was keen to sit out the US Open to play the Open. Mm-hmm. At St Andrews, mega. Yeah, people are asking: Is he, you know, is that in doubt now? He said at the Masters he was playing the Open. Is that somehow in doubt? Not a chance. No, I don't think so. No, I actually think all his attention since the PGA is right. Just be ready for the Open. Yeah. So, oh my, I genuinely can't wait. I yeah. cannot wait to see Tiger in the first tee at St Andrews. Right. Lots of other big storylines this week. I want to ask you about a couple of players that we've not touched on. The obvious one is Rory. He's coming into this with some form. He's coming into it with a bit of major form as well. Yeah. Too long of a gap since his last major win. If anything, it looks like he is primed and good to end that. Oh, Michael. I've said it, haven't Stop I? I've jinxed it. it. No, I mean, how many times are we going to say this? But Rory's ready. But he's got to turn up. This is the thing. Did he peak Rory. a week too early? Well, like, no. No, because you'll want to win. Every single week. Tiger never peaked a week too early. He won, he won all the time. He's always put all his energy into winning. He's never yeah. saved himself. And Rory shouldn't do that either. And this focusing on the majors crap, I, I, I don't buy it. Brooks Kepka was given those hints and where's he now? This guy can't even turn up in a PGA Tour event. So I think Rory, this just goes to show how hard it is for Mickelson. I think Rory is without question the favourite this week. Mm-hmm. But it is by no means going to be easy for Rory whatsoever because somebody just has to have a hot week somebody out of nowhere can come out and play good golf and Rory's got to turn up that's the pressure that Rory's under and I think he consistently struggles with that Mm -hmm. he always does it's whether he can just get rid of that monkey on his back and go and do it Mm -hmm. and I think once he he goes and does it it's like he's got a new lease of life but you'll never have that until he does it. He needs to take the Thursday from the USPGA and the Friday, Saturday, Sunday from the Masters <laughs> and put those together somehow. I mean, it sounds simple. It's easy to say, my God, is that going to be tough to do? That's golf right but now. But it looks like he's the parts of his, games that, his game that wasn't quite there at the Masters, which was from the middle of the fairway from 140 to 170 yards, was not there. It looks like it is there now. Mm-hmm. Missing a couple of putts, maybe? Come on, he actually he putted well hmm. last week. That's why he won. He drove the ball well. That's why he won. He was dynamite from the middle of the fairway. That's why he won. He's got to bring all that to the table mm-hmm. this week. That is extremely hard to do when you're under the gun, a major championship, and he's the favourite. But I will say this. When was the last time Rory went into a major championship as the overwhelming favourite? Is he that this week, though, even? He is the favourite at the th- moment. Well, he's the favourite, yeah. but overwhelming. I mean, I, 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 I view it differently. I think this is a pretty, I hate to use the term, but it's a pretty open open. He's the favourite to me. I think he's more of a favourite to win than Scott Scheffler and John Rand. Oh, my God. I Sander Schofley and Patrick Cantley, Jordan Spieth, Cameron Smith. Is he more likely to win than Justin Thomas? Yeah, potentially. I still think he's the favourite. He's, he's the form player at the moment. He's brought it in the majors. However, Justin Thomas just won one. Mm -hmm. So I like the fact that it's a little bit different now. He is the favourite. All eyes are on him because it just creates a bit of a different dynamic. You kind of wonder if he might take a bit of that momentum from last week into this week. You know, that almost the chip on the shoulder that he played with last week about the how dare those live guys make my existence tougher. I'm going to show them. Now they're there and he can actually look them, see the whites of their eyes in the same tournament. 
interesting to see how that plays out, if that will make him puff out the chest and, you know, capitalise yeah. if you like. Yeah, uh-huh. We'll, we'll see. John Ram, you mentioned he's the defending champion. Almost feels like an afterthought. Yeah, he's been a bit quiet. He didn't play last week. Has won recently, though. Yeah, he's been a bit quiet. Justin Thomas, probably playing the best golf of his life. Fantastic. And I, I do think that Justin Thomas is going to win the Open. The Open? Yes. Got a feeling, Michael. can feel it in my bones. Okay, two majors in one year. I'm not asking you just now for your pick. As you'll notice, Podder of Merit's coming up shortly. I know. So you're saying at least two majors for Justin Thomas this year. I'm going with a strategic move in the Podder of Merit. You need to, as we will get to. Yes. Can someone please put up the bat signal for Colin Morikawa? Where is the guy? <laughs> Would he respond to a bat signal? Let's try it. See what happens. But there's a guy who, at the start of this year, and for most of the tail end of last year, we were just like, oh my God, we've found the man. He's still the reigning Open champion. What did he do? Got engaged. engaged. You think that's a factor? Oh, I don't know. Nah, don't loads know. of golfers get engaged. Yeah. Mind you, Dustin Johnson just got married and then... Look where he is now. How expensive must that, that wedding that? have been? Massive. Brooks Kepka just got married. Yep. Who did he hire to sing at his wedding? Ludicrous. Ludicrous. Luda. Lu- what was that? That's what Luda says. Is it? Mm-hmm. Says Luda. His says his own name. Do it again. He's like Sean Paul. Um, they constantly talk about themselves like Craig David. Craig David. <laughs> was singing about himself. <laughs> Who's the other one that does that? Jason Derulo. Jason he does Darulo. that, and then Pitbull, but he calls himself Mr. Worldwide. Pitbull. Where are we going? Brooks Kepka wedding. So, how yeah. much would it cost to have Ludicrous sing at your wedding? Well, not sing. I suppose he rapped. <laughs> it it cost more to get him to sing. It was a bit strange. He's here, welcome on stage, Ludicrous, and then she said, "Yo, yo, yo!" And all this, yeah. whatever he does. But it's funny though because you look at that wedding. That was like the hangover come to life. You know, at the end when Mike Tyson bounces onto the stage. Yes. It's <laughs> like, you've just witnessed that, but the real life yeah. version of it. Anyway, oh, congratulations brilliant. to the Kepkas and the Johnsons. But back to Morikawa. You think private life engagement? No, I don't. No, no? I don't. No, I'm just saying that. Uh, I think he's just hit a bit of a, a dip. We'll Still see. the best player in the world for you? Oh, I'm really regretting that. <laughs> he's just, look, you, you know what? He's just not played well. It happens. It, it, it does happen. He is a phenomenal talent. We will see. Maybe I'll pick him for Podder of Merit, Michael. Well, let's go there then. So, two weeks ago, because we didn't have a pod last week because I was playing Muirfield. Two weeks ago, the Memorial. Bryce, you went for Rory. Yeah. Bit too early. Tied 18th though. Yeah. I went for John Ram. He tied for 10th. 3-0 3-0 to nil. me. It's a kicking. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you just have to pat yourself in the back. I feel like so, Podder of Merit is one of those things. Yeah, whatever. So who are you picking this week? Yeah, this is pretty straightforward for me. I did nearly go for Matt Fitz because he's playing well. He's getting a little bit of taste now of what it's like to compete in the business end of major championships. Then you've got the whole Brookline thing, won the US Amateur there in 2013. He's staying with the same family this week that he stayed with back then. L- lots of noise about Matt Fitz, and a US Open would seem to fit him. He's that kind of steady Eddie, isn't he? Drives it straight, hits it straight up with his irons, becoming a better putter. It, just, it looks like it should set up for him, but no. I'm going for your man, Justin Thomas. Are you? I am. He's just got so much form. Two in a I row. know two in a row, major-wise, is so tough to do that there is precedent for it. And he is, I think actually the last one would have been Jordan Spieth, his good pal, back in 2015. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm going. I just think this this is the, the year of JT. You know, I, it kind of annoys me because I was going to pick him. Were you really? Yeah. <laughs> I know, that's a bit of a... It's a bit of a gut punch. No, I think I think uh, so, right then. So you're thinking your thinking is that Justin Thomas will win three majors in a row. 
Because you uh, just said that he's well, going to win the pick, Open. I would pick him for the podder. I'm not suggesting he's going to win it. In that case, pick but the I'd, guy who you think is going to win and then it's not a gut punch. No, this I, is really simple. I, I have no idea uh, who is going to win this week, but I would have probably picked Justin <laughs> Thomas over most people. But I think when it comes to the Open, he just looks like a type of guy that can go around St Andrews and play well. Yeah. Every part of his game works. The only thing about a US Open setup is that you need to have a bit of recovery tactics and your putting needs to be absolutely sensational. Is he a little bit hairy with the putting sometimes? Maybe. Don't You've know. seen it up close. I was toying with a tactical move or whether to go for my old flame. And I might go with my old flame. Abraham Answer? No. Adam Scott? No. You wish he was your old flame? I wish he was my old. I wish he was my current flame. Your old flame? Morikawa. I think he could turn up this week. He's not been that bad. It's not as if he's missing cut after cut after cut. So I'm sticking my neck out. I need to gamble a wee bit. And I've taken I've taken the big guy to be fair. I'm I surprised d- you're not going Rory just for the counterpunch. No, I do have I do have um, money. I realised in my gambling account. I do have money in Cameron Young. I watched him a few weeks ago and I thought this guy's unbelievable. Mega unbelievably well. He's a second, third, second. I've got money in him for the week, but I can't bring myself to to pick him for this. Mm. So, I, so Morikawa. Be, you are going Morikawa. I'm going to final go with Morikawa. Excellent. Okay, so Morikawa versus Justin Thomas. I nearly went for Cam Smith. Mm-hmm. So, so solid on the greens. Mm-hmm. That could be where this is won or lost, but you have to give yourself chances as well. Is he? Can I trust him from the middle of the fairway? Can I trust him to find fairways? My point is, too much focus on his putting. I'm going to look really foolish next week when he wins, aren't I? Aye. Anyway. Especially anyway. when Morikawa's second. Are you excited about the US Open? Because yes. we weren't that excited about the US PGA and we were, as it turned out, quite right Yeah, today. there's something about the US Open. As soon as the leaderboard kicks in, you start seeing players three or four over par after five holes and you think, <laughs> love this. Welcome to our world. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. You think we'll see a player with iron head covers? No. White belts? Yeah. Yes. Regular listeners will be aware, Bryce, of our feelings towards iron head covers and towards white belts. They should be in golf's room 101. I've been given this some thought and having played with one of the things I'm about to reveal, I've now decided, yes, it's going in room 101 as well. Coloured golf balls. Interesting. Now, Muirfield, I played Muirfield last week, don't know if I mentioned, but we were playing at proper Muirfield, so foursomes starting on the 10th and all that stuff. And my playing partner, Nick Roger, golf correspondent for the Herald, go back a long way with Nick, very funny guy. I wasn't laughing quite so much when he pulled one into the Bundai on the par 13th, is it? 13th. And I had to hit a provisional. He couldn't remember what ball we'd use. So I said, look, just to make things simple, I'm going to hit a coloured golf ball. So that way, that'll be the distinction if I end up in the same place or same rough area as you. And standing over this neon yellow thing, I realised I hate the look of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know quite what it was, but doesn't fit my eye. Yeah, it's the, but it's it, meant it feels to. A bit cheap. I don't know. Yeah, but my dad, I think my dad plays with the yellow, yellow golf balls. But it's meant to be. I think certainly when you are putting, it's meant to fit your eye better. Well, that's that's okay. I, I can take that because I didn't putt with it. I just hit a tee shot with it. But oh my god, I, I I just looked at it and thought, ugh. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I wouldn't ban it though. You wouldn't ban it. No, I'm I'm all for freedom of expression. Except when it comes to white belts and iron head covers. Well, that's obviously illegal. <laughs> so so you're not banned. I, I feel like we should. I'll tell you what, if you use a coloured golf ball, DM us and let us know why. What is your thinking? Why are you choosing uh, a coloured golf ball over the traditional standard white ball that has been used forever? What's your thinking? What's your thought process? And with that, we'll move on to Honesty Box. I feel like I've just been quite honest there. Woo! feel better for getting that off my chest. 
Bryce, the question for Honesty Box this week, you can go back in time and watch the final round of any US Open in person. Where and when are you going and why? 1930, Bobby Jones. Bobby Jones. <laughs> Third leg of his impregnable quadrilateral, whatever it is. I didn't realise he had on the last green, he had a 40-foot putt, which he had to get down in two for two from to win and he canned it a few but he wasn't later. using a yellow ball no but he wasn't and a few weeks later he went on to win the US Amateur comfortably pumped everyone at the US Amateur to win his Grand Slam of the time and then retired at age 28 you retired at 28 I never knew <laughs> I think that did you know be... Augusta <laughs> well he, Augusta was four years later yeah and uh, I think the guy he beat was it in the th- or was it the guy who was third or fourth in that US Open was Horton Smith who mm. won the first Masters. Good player. But I think nineteen thirty just to go back and see Bobby Jones, mm-hmm. what a legend yeah. and the absolute best golfer of his day of his time. I think it would have been fascinating. Like something at, at the amateur the weeks later there was something like eighteen thousand people watching him. Mm-hmm. Eighteen thousand people. It's incredible, isn't it? And it was. I think at that US Open, it was the temperatures were in the hundreds. So that star power, yeah, yeah, he absolute, had absolute star yeah. power. I think that would have been good. And I've always wanted to. I think when you watch old videos on YouTube, you can't quite grasp what their golf was like. Yes, you don't really know how far they hit it. Obviously, the courses were much shorter. The grass was longer. Their putting strokes were horrific. <laughs> if you took all those putting strokes and put them in the magazine for instruction features. You would be lost. On a scale of one to Zalatoris. <laughs> Tell you what, is Zalatoris going to turn up again this week? Yeah. You never even touched on that guy. I know. Putting's quite important at US Open, though. Well, he's actually, actually puts quite well. From distance, yes. Yeah. But he's going to have an awful lot of three, four footers to clean up, yeah, unquestionably. That's a very, so. very good point. Yeah, so I think that would be that would be fascinating to go back and watch Bobby Jones. I'm thinking of going because it's Brookline, I guess it's in my head, but 1913, Francis Wiemey. Yeah, that's right. I think, I mean, the story there is incredible. 20 years old, beats Harry Varden, Ted Ray in an 18-hole playoff. Just the circumstances of it. Just, I think it would be cool to go back. And as you say, not just for the win, but to see how they played golf. Yeah. But is it too boring to say, I'd love to go back to 2000 and actually be there at Pebble Beach to watch Tiger, Tiger. rip it to bits? Yeah. That wasn't even a golf tournament. That yeah. was a guy stomping his way and to you know, a major. And you know what? The funny thing is, if you watch that over again, this is going to sound outrageous. But when you're watching it, you do not get a sense of the historical magnitude of what he did. Spot on. It doesn't come across in the broadcast. Spot on. It's only now that we realise that. But if you remember what people were saying back then, the golf that he was playing was quite possibly the best golf anyone has ever played. Exactly. That's the absolute best golf that anyone's ever played. But it it just doesn't, to me, it doesn't come across in the broadcast to that magnitude that people talk about. It seems like they didn't have a sense of it at, at the, the time. time. Yeah. yeah, it's become, with hindsight... Who was second? Ah, uh, that was two, wasn't it? It was uh, Jimenez and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Els? I think so. Definitely Jimenez. Yeah. I mean, it was, an ab- it was a slaughtering. Yeah, it was. He laid waste and no one has ever done it in that fashion. Jack Nicholas, that was his last ever US Open as well. That's right. Nice to see. It's funny. Every time Jack's waved goodbye to a major, who's won that week? I know. Tiger Woods. So it'd be nice to see Jack waving farewell. We talk about the depth in fields. That's one thing that Liv doesn't have just now. It's one thing that is though taking from the PGA Tour with every player that defects. But we talk about depth and Fields just now and how Defects strong. Defects is such a great word of it, isn't it? It is. Defects. Rebel Alliance. The Rebel another, Alliance. Another of my favourites. Rebel Fleet. <laughs> Wipe them out. No, Christ, don't do that. But they talk about how strong it is these days and how anybody could win any given week. People, I think, there's a bit of history revisionism going on with Tiger saying, well, he didn't beat anyone of any note. Vijay Singh was the Masters champion that yeah, year. Yeah. Ernie Ells was phenomenal. Good. Ernie, uh, David Duval... Was take, on his way to world number take, one. Take Tiger out the game, which you can't do. Take Tiger out the game. You remember, VJ 
was one of the few players who went toe-to-toe <laughs> with Tiger on his PGA Tour career and Majors career and beat him. Exactly. VJ looked, stared Tiger down in some PGA Tour contests and was just phenomenal. VJ was an unbelievable player. Unbelievable. And the thing is, Tiger battered him most of the time in the Majors. Uh, yeah, yeah. There were other things that happened in 2000 as well, obviously. I think it was the... F- well, come to think of it, Payne Stewart would have been the defending champion. That's right. I know there was a, a lot of stuff done early in the week to commemorate him. I'm a, uh-huh. I don't really... I can't... Can I claim myself to be a Payne Stewart fan? I think so. I mean, I didn't watch him that much, but I've got huge respect for what yeah, he did. Yeah. And I, I, I feel sad for us as golf fans we didn't get to see his career and life play out in full because I think there was more to come. Yeah. So I think it would have been nice to go back and see the sort of stuff that they did. He was a great person. He was a great character. I remember being at the Scottish Open and he stood right next to me and he walked off the green. His feet were absolutely huge. Really? He had huge feet. It's one thing I remember. These white Foot Joy Classics. I'm sure oh. they were Foot Joy Classics. They were amazing. He was a great character. One final point in 2000. The winner's share of the prize fund, 800 grand Tiger got that week. For making the history that he made. Do you know how much the prize fund was in total? No. Four and a half million. Quarter of a million less than Charles Schwartzel bagged yeah. at he, the weekend. He also won a bonus for winning the team event, did he not? Charles that, that's it, yeah. So he got 750 yeah. grand on top of his four million. So he walked away with four million seven hundred and fifty thousand. Not bad for 54 holes work, I guess. 2008, quickly would be the other one. Again, Tiger. I want to go back and see that all over again. That was the, great. Yeah, the one leg and the Rocco story. That what that the seventy second hole was just oh. scary good. Yeah, get goosebumps just thinking about it. Hopefully, we get more of that this week. We'll see how it all plays out. But uh, look, get in touch. Let us know your thoughts on what to expect from the US Open. If you've got an honesty box suggestion, feel free to get in touch as well. Bryce and I will take a look and perhaps. Perhaps it will make a future episode. We have an absolutely huge guest on the show next week. Genuinely cannot wait to bring this interview to you. I think you're going to love it. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, it's been a crazy week, as we said right at the top. Let's go back to the start and finish there. Crazy week, but we have one of the great weeks of the year coming right up. So do enjoy it Bryce I'm sure you will thank you very much for your time as ever pleasure and thank you Callaway for your continued support of this podcast I wonder if we'll get another Callaway winner of the US Open this week to follow in the footsteps of John Ram maybe it'll be him we'll see until next week thank you very much for listening bye bye for now